sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It's been one of the most competitive series in the NBA playoffs, Dallas and Los Angeles. Of course, the Clippers, that is. And the Mavericks are going to be without Chris Tapps Porzingis again tonight. What will that mean for Luka? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show when we hit on fantasy and reality. Can he have a repeat performance? 40, 50, maybe 60 points for Luka. Who knows what's next? We'll touch on that a little bit later. Also some fantasy football discussion and, of course, fantasy baseball as well. As I bring in my co-host for the second hour of the show, as always, Joe Pizapia. You can follow Joe on Twitter. At Joe Pizzapia17, you can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. And, of course, you can purchase Joe's Fantasy Black Book over on Amazon to get a head start on the 2020 fantasy football season. And I know, Joe, that a lot of people are in full swing here drafting in fantasy football. But we got some news today that may have hurt some people who drafted already as Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers, according to several reports, was quoted and Anthony Lynn, their head coach, saying, unlikely to be ready for the start of the 2020 season, which is fast approaching in two weeks. Quote, it's going to be a while. Uh, bump up Keenan Allen on draft boards and certainly bump down Mike Williams at this point. I mean, that's a known quantity of a player specifically being injured and a rare quantity for a coach to actually tell us that a player <laughs> is hurt. So got to adjust that for sure. What's what's the world coming to? It's 2020 and coaches are telling the truth about matters. Uh, Tyrell Williams also with a big injury, too. That's going to hurt uh, the Vegas side of things. But Mike Williams has been a guy that's been very frustrating for fantasy owners because you see the upside. The guy's an absolute monster in the red zone and in the touchdown area. Man, that guy is just so good in terms of coming down on the high point balls. But at the same time, it's been a struggle to stay healthy for Mike Williams. And here we are. It's 2020 and struggling again. And he's not in an offense with Philip Rivers anymore, throwing the football, it's Tyrod Taylor. So he was already downgraded on a lot of draft boards. And I would imagine he's off of a lot of them now going into a season hurt. So it absolutely stinks. And you know what? You talk about bumping up Keenan Allen. I don't know if that is a good thing. I think it hurts Keenan Allen too, because you know, at least with Mike Williams on the field, you have to account for other things. They don't have enough depth there at wide receiver, in my opinion, on that roster to really make up for this loss as they're currently constituted. And Keenan Allen doesn't have a big, touchdown upside anyway. He's a possession guy. He's that guy that goes out there, will catch 100 balls for 1,200 yards, but you know the touchdown total is around five or six at most. So uh, look, not a good injury for the Chargers, but at least they're being honest with us. It's nice at 2020. We're evolving a little bit. Yeah, well, Charlie Joyner, Wes Chandler could play aside Keenan Allen and, and hopefully <laughs> have, have big years because that's basically all of the only names I could come up with in 2020. Bad job by me. I'll have to figure that out. Those all right, let's names, uh, let's I recap like those names. <laughs> Better than probably anybody that you could throw at me who's going to replace Mike Williams, I'm guessing, at this point. But probably. Uh, okay, so. Here's the top stories of the day. Uh, Lakers dominate the Blazers last night. You heard that already. Uh, we're moving on from that. LeBron's 30 points. Here's what we're moving on to. The big story in basketball today, there's no question, uh, outside of the game tonight between Dallas and L.A., what is up with Dame Lillard? Is he going to be able to play again? If he is not, that series is over for sure. I don't know how anybody could disagree with that. He has been the rock of the Blazers. He's been the reason why they got this far. He had such a good bubble performance and then a great performance in game one, uh, inconclusive on his MRI last night. I am sure 
that by the time Scott Farrell comes on the air later today, he'll have that update. I don't know if we'll get it in the next hour. The Miami Heat's moving on to play what will be the Milwaukee Bucks most likely as they sweep the Pacers 4-0. They move to the East semifinals. Great series for Goran Dragic, of course, Jimmy Butler, as well as some of the uh, extra pieces they have. Bam, uh, Tyler Hero. It's been fun to watch here in South Florida for sure. Uh, Usain Bolt. His now updated story from about 30 minutes ago being investigated by Jamaican police. Uh, and uh, the reason why is because he had a party uh, for his 34th birthday and uh, he contracted COVID-19. They want to get to the bottom of it. Bad call by uh, Usain Bolt. Uh, Albert Pujols moves into second place in the all-time MLB RBI list. That will be a question that Joe and I will discuss. Can he catch Hank Aaron? Fantasy or reality? We'll ask those questions coming up in just a little bit. And college football announced not only will the playoffs resume in 2020, but college game day on ESPN will resume as well. And growing up, Joe, uh, watching college football, going to the University of Florida, a rite of passage in college football was always wondering if college game day was going to come to your town and Lee Corso. And in the past, it was Kirk Herbstreet, still is today. Uh, great, great uh, crew that they always have working there. And uh, I'm curious to see if they are going to be able to pull this off in 2020. And as we welcome in our radio audience, for me, I prefer college football on Saturdays than I do to the NFL on Sundays, just because it's just so wild and unpredictable in a lot of the games. I know that for you and the business that you have, certainly the NFL is more important. But for me, uh, I just love the end game in the fourth quarter of a game, like a Big 12, 52 to 47 game where you have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm very sad that I'm not going to have that this Saturday. This was opening weekend of college football, and now we have to wait until September. So a uh, lot to unpack here on the show today, and that's where we'll start on the second hour of Fantasy Sports Today. And look, you know, you went to Florida, so being part of that kind of community in that big-time college football atmosphere is not something I went to. I went to art school. I was the quarterback of our football team. That's sad. Let that sink in for a little bit. We didn't have a real football team. We just go play in the park and beat up on the kids from UPenn and Temple who thought that they were tough until they played us. Just so happened a bunch of us, our school kids happened to also be ex high school athletes. But yes, a big time drop off in terms of what kind of football reality. And I, I feel your pain, man. I know there's a lot of people out there who are really hopeful that the college football season happens. And I think it will, whether it happens in the fall, whether it happens in the spring, I think you're going to get one in this quote school year in some case, but uh, I just want everything to be safe. I want everyone to be safe. I want everyone to be well, and I want these kids protected first and foremost, because our amusement is not worth somebody's long-term well-being. It just isn't. So let's hope that things are in place. Let's hope that things are getting better in those locations. But Craig, there's no doubt about it. I'm sure it's disappointing for a lot of people to not be looking at Sunday, turning on that TV and seeing the college games. Yep. No doubt. Coming up next. Here come the Buffalo Blue Jays. How far can they go? We'll talk about that next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia, as we open up a 16-game postseason for Major League Baseball. There are going to be a lot of questions as to the legitimacy of the 2020 season. There is no doubt about that. But going into the year, there was one team in particular that a lot of people had questions about because of their starting pitching. And when the Jays acquired Hunjin Rue... You know, at that point, there was some thought that, well, maybe the Blue Jays will actually go for it in 2020. And they got off to a pretty rough start, especially especially with the bats, 
But that certainly has changed all around for the Toronto Blue Jays as we take a look at what they've been able to accomplish in the last 10 games. They're 7-3 and three overall, and have put themselves right back into the playoff hunt. They've only had seven home games in Buffalo, which is the least in the American League. Of course, they don't even play in Toronto this year. So you would think that they would have some sort of home field advantage, given they'll play the most home games of any team in the American League the rest of the way. They've also stole 16 bases, which is third in the AL as well. And 47 home runs is fourth in Major League Baseball. So, Joe, I would ask you, do you think that the Blue Jays can continue to do what they're doing, minus one of their top players, of course, in Bo Bichette? We're not sure how long he's going to be out, but I would guess at least a week or two more. And with a pitching staff that basically doesn't really have more than one or two viable starters, no closer, a bullpen that's sort of patched together, But really, what am I describing? Almost every team in Major League Baseball in 2020. So why not the Blue Jays? Is it possible that they can sneak into this thing as, let's say, the 13th, 14th, or 15th seed? I was going to say, your description sounds eerily familiar to a lot of other organizations right now. Well, they have one or two decent pitchers outside of that. Pretty much. Uh, But they can hit the ball. And the Jays... You know, the Jays were going to be fun coming into this year, too, because I think young teams and this is a very young core team. They really, for the most part, don't have a lot of veteran presence in that lineup. You know, the most veteran guy is well, like a Randall Grichik type guy who's been around the league for a while. But young teams don't know any better. And that's what makes them so dangerous sometimes because they have a ton of talent and nobody's told them you're not supposed to win. So they're just going out there and playing ball. And that makes them dangerous. And I think they can sustain that offensively from the pitching side. I think we're a little bit more concerned. This is a rotation outside of Ryu. That's basically made up of a bunch of fifth starters, the Tanner Roarks and, and the shoemakers of the world and guys like that. And it's whether or not those guys can go out there and just throw up almost quality starts and keep them competitive. And I got to give it to the blue Jays. I mean, it's funny because we've talked so much about Teoscar Hernandez in the last two weeks when Bo Bichette was on fire. We were talking about him. I know Kevin Biggio is another guy right now who's raking. But the one guy that we really haven't had a lot of time to spend on, and he really hasn't garnered much attention, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, of all these guys, was supposed to be the chosen one. And it's kind of funny. We've talked more about the other three guys than we have about Vladimir Guerrero collectively. Uh, just It's not even close. It's night and day how much we've talked about Bichette and now Biggio and, and Teoscar Hernandez. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was supposed to be the leader of this offense. And it's starting to make me wonder... Okay, what's next year going to be for Vlad Jr.? Is his draft stock going to take another hit there? Is some of the, his own teammates kind of go past him? Because it's starting to feel like that. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of hype and, and honestly very little substance. And what happens is is we fall in love with players that win the exhibitions, like the Home Run Derby. Yeah, and that's yeah. not the same thing as playing in a Major League Baseball game. And, and I think that that indeed is what happened with him. And uh, thus far, he's had some issues playing first base. He looked a little bit better, I think, over the last few games. But... He has not been as good as anybody thought he would be thus far. Still very young, though. We'll give him credit uh, mm-hmm. for that, no doubt. Uh, speaking of Kevin Biggio, he has been as good as virtually any second baseman in fantasy baseball. We're going to show you that in just a second. Uh, but last night after the game and after the big win and after the big shot that he hit, he talked about how the Blue Jays can stay in this thing. Yeah, I mean, we obviously think we, were, we have – playoff caliber players on our team and it's all about putting it together and, and I think we've been we've been slowly putting it together from the beginning of the season um, you know I think our, our bullpen's been you know as good as they can be um, all year long and you know we started off a little bit slow with the bats and now we're able to put uh, some consistent bats together and, and put some runs on the board so w- with that being said you know just putting it all together I, I believe that we have a really good chance of making the playoffs. 
And with Gritch's homer, uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, that, uh, being a kind of sidearm lefty, it, it favors a right-handed hitter versus a left-handed hitter. And me, me going up there, I told him before the at-bat, I told him, I said, hey, man, this is your guy right here. So I was just going to do whatever I could to, to get on base. Um, you know, obviously, I wasn't trying to, to hit his glove, but, you know, it ended up working out. In Biggio talking about a catcher's interference that uh, ended up derailing the Rays yesterday, but as we look at Biggio's numbers for the season, 2020, 277, 397 OBP, circle that number, six home runs, 16 runs driven in, and also four stolen bases. Try extrapolating that over 162. It's 20 home runs. It's 70 runs driven in. It's 20 stolen bases. And Joe, it's one of the best second basemen in fantasy. And, and before we get to this, and I want to show people this in a second, it is shocking to see where we're at at that position in fantasy baseball, which once upon a time was a pretty deep position. It is a struggle to find 10 starting fantasy second basemen this year that you can really count on. I got about five or six deep and said, really, this is it? Yeah. I mean, Altuve is falling off a lot this year. That's not good, but uh, Kevin Biggio has definitely done it. And he's looking like a 2020 type player. At least it's nice to see the batting average pop up as well. A year over year. That was something a lot of people were concerned with, but uh, you're absolutely right. Look, this blue Jays team has the right attitude and Bichette kind of talked about it here in the clip, which is, Hey, just get us in the playoffs. And I think that is what's so extraordinary about this year. And normally I think teams like the blue Jays three months, four months into the season, they start to get that lag of the season. They start to look up at the Yankees and they look up at, you know, teams that have more pitching like them, like the Rays in that division. They go, Ugh, we really can't compete with those guys. And mentally it wears on you. There's no time for that because you're too busy just trying to play every day into the 60 game season. And I think that's what makes this playoff potentially one of the best we're ever going to see getting more teams, getting the teams coming in here as fresh as they might be compared to 162 game season is going to be fascinating to watch. And you're not wrong. When you look at the group of second basemen, uh, it is tough. Brandon Lau has been terrific. We all know that uh, Kevin Biggio has been very good as well. DJ LeMay, who unfortunately is on the IL, but before he did, my goodness, it 400 doesn't get much better than that. Cattell Marte has been good, but you look at the power and speed numbers, you're waiting for the power to pop. I think it's only a matter of time. The batting average is still there. I think it's just a little bit of bad luck right now. We'll see what that fly ball rate can continue to stay where it is and get some more home runs there. That's the one guy I would look at and say, okay, you know, I know people are frustrated so far with Cattell Marte, but if I told you, hey, for one month, he only hit one home run, but he's still at 320, you'd be probably happy with that. Let's see what he does in this next four weeks. And Jonathan Scope, who, you know, was kind of left at the doorstep there. Nobody wanted him anymore. But let's not forget, going back to even the Orioles days, Scope was a guy who could hit 20, 25 home runs. Uh, he does not walk a lot, but he certainly swings a lot. And he certainly makes a lot of contact. It's a good and a bad thing. But when he's going well, you get the Jonathan Scope you've gotten this year. So, yeah, second base, these are not the top five names. I think if I asked you to rank them coming into the season, you would be no. ranking. LeMahieu would probably be on that list, and I think that's probably the only one. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if LeMahieu would have been in the top five. I mean, I'm not even sure about that. Look, Marte would have been because he qualifies at second base, right. clearly. Exactly. But he, uh, look, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and you could live with one home run and nine runs driven in, but if this guy's only going to steal three bases this year, Joe, I mean, that's a massive disappointment, and that's the it track is. right now uh, for him. Um, uh, look, where are the days of Utley and Cano? Uh, you look, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe this is where we're headed here, or maybe guys like Keston Hura, who's doing okay. I don't think you would complain with him. Maybe he takes that next step. But again, you had Baez go over to short. You had Glaber Torres go over to short. Right. And although some players do qualify at second base, 
It has not been the offensive position that it once was. And to me, looking at this, Brandon Lau, Joe, is heads and tails above everybody else. I, and I think that I, of all the names here, I can I feel most comfortable with saying that provided that Kevin Cash plays this guy 150 games next year, he is going to go into 2021 mm-hmm. as probably a third or fourth round fantasy pick and one of the top five second basemen in fantasy for sure. I don't think you're wrong, and uh, I'll, I'll go a step further. I think the other thing you're talking about is very important when you're evaluating second base is the adjustment of the players from second to short, and shortstop's been an embarrassment of riches this year. Correa's hit again. Uh, Seager, uh, Corey Seager's hit again this year. So all of a sudden, even the shortstops that we're a little worried about, everybody's pretty much been good and bounced back to where they should be, and you have the elite guys anyway, and then you're still waiting on a few other guys to get it right, unfortunately. But yeah, the shortstop position, embarrassment of riches, but it's been at the expense of second base and something you have to understand in terms of the value going into 2021. Where are those guys? Well, if Lau continues to hit, he very well might end up at the top of the board in 2021 going into drafts. He could be. And uh, it, uh, second base will be a thinner position than we're used to in 2021. Uh, Kate McJook joins Joe next. Talk a little fantasy football, including the latest on a rookie running back and possible success. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And my next guest well, you've seen her all around the fantasy football world recently at Roto World at 4 for 4. And, of course, she's one of the hosts of the Ball Blast podcast. She's also a contributor to the Fantasy Black Book 2020. And I'm very proud to have her. That's right. Pump yes. that fist, Kate. It's Kate <laughs> Majuk right here of the Ball Blast pod. Kate, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. We've been we've been working on this for a while. It's nice to finally get it get it under wraps. It is. That's right. We've been working very hard, and we didn't give up. And no. that's the most important part. And uh, <laughs> I'm excited to do it again. Uh, great work this year on the Black Book. And I uh, was excited to have you, our first female contributor, and certainly not our last. And we are doing a lot here on the network. I'm trying to give a platform because there's a lot more than just dudes playing fantasy football. And I need people to realize that. So oh, we've yeah. had uh, we've had Lauren on. We've had Jen Ryan on. We've had you on. We're going to keep this floodgate open as long as we possibly can. <laughs> and I caught a little video on Twitter from the podcast about you Talking about Zach Moss. Now, obviously, this is an interesting scenario here because Devin Singletary, clearly last year, did have a strong finish. Now, everyone's concerned about Devin Singletary, you know, the goal line carries not being there because of Josh Allen. What's that Frank Gore role really when all is said and done? So take me through it. I know Zach Moss is basically going between like 45-ish or and 50, somewhere in that range. Why do you think he is somebody that could potentially be rising up draft boards and should he be? Oh, he should absolutely be rising up draft boards. I, I feel like we haven't uh, been able to stop talking about Zach Moss, and it's because I still don't see his ADP rising quickly enough. And I don't want his ADP to rise because I want him, I, I want him in all of my leagues. But um, I feel like he is going to be an asset that's going to win some people some fantasy leagues. Um, you know, I, I think what I've been trying to take away and and the way that I'm approaching um, my analysis this season is to to try to read between the lines, look at the coaching staff. What are they trying to tell us? And I think the Buffalo Bills gave us a pretty strong statement to close out the 2019 season. The The playoffs were on the line, right? They they could have advanced 
to the next round, and they did not. You know why? Because they wanted to feed Frank Gore. It's not just because he's a legend who commands rushing attempts. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't see Singletary in that kind of role. Um, Zach Moss, he he fits the bill for all of that. He's an excellent receiver, huge, huge like burst through the tackles. Um, you know, gets knocked for for speed, but he doesn't play slow. Like right. if you watch him, he's an absolute bulldozer. I, I think the usage is absolutely going to be there. They've told us he will embody that Frank Gore role. Um, you know, Josh Allen's rushing touchdowns, I do expect that to to go down because of Zach Moss. A lot of those opportunities that Josh Allen had at the goal line was because Frank Gore couldn't get it in. Like mm. he just he didn't That's make a it point. So, you know, they they made their effort to get the running back those touches. Didn't work out. They didn't have the efficiency there. So they went to Josh Allen, who's a natural runner. So, of course, that'll be the case. But Devin Singletary, he doesn't have the size. He's a guy I really liked out of college. I was particularly high on him last year. So seeing Zach Moss, another guy I was particularly high in, just go right right into that spot kind of hurt my soul. But <laughs> he's, he's going to have so much value in redraft. He's gotten I, – I don't know if you've been seeing the, the Bills beat reporters – he is getting rave reviews is. out of camp. Yeah, right. and, and you know, you kind of make the point there where he is a younger version maybe of that Frank Gore model, and if yeah. so, maybe he is more efficient at the goal line. So where does this leave Singletary for you? Is he a guy on the do-not-draft list, or is there such a thing for you? I know for me, every player has the right price, so I'll take anybody in the yeah. right position. So my, my guess is he's more of a flex RB for you, if at all, or is this somebody that you still have any hope for uh, in PPR being an RB too? So he's he's definitely in the flex category for me. And I think it's, um, you know, you said everybody has sort of their their acceptable price. <laughs> Devin Singletary is still going, you know, in that flat or that RB2, RB3 range. So every time I'm going to be just, you know, maybe drafting Zach Moss around that RB4 spot, I I'm always going to maybe reach a little bit earlier on Zach Moss because I think the the upsides there from a, a receiving standpoint um, Devin Singletary, he's a guy that I, I, I think I prefer in best ball leagues. Um, you know, I think that Zach, Zach Moss is going to fulfill the, the goal line role there, but Devin Singletary is a guy that, you know, he is, he can be efficient. Um, you know, he can bust through the tackles, but if he gets touchdowns, I expect it to be on his back. And because he, <laughs> he broke some tackles right. and yeah. flew down the field. Um, not necessarily because he was given an opportunity right. in the goal line. And Which is how he got him last year, too. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, he was efficient when he got the football, and he's going to need to be efficient again if he's going to return any kind of value. You know, let's let's jump to another um, uh, back situation here, too. Let's talk about Indianapolis, because obviously Jonathan Taylor getting a lot of helium, and now we're also getting some other reports here, too, about Naheem Hines and all that Philip Rivers role. And people are trying to make this whole thing of saying, well, remember Darren Sproles? They're kind of doing that member berries thing of remember Darren Sproles. And then <laughs> Danny Woodhead had that role with Philip Rivers in that kind of offense. And it's the same kind of offense that obviously Frank Reich and those guys were running back in the uh, San Diego Charger days. That's right. I'm dating myself by saying San Diego. <laughs> but is Hines a guy who might even sneak in there? Or is this Jonathan Taylor's backfield to run away with? Or... Is Marlon Mack the guy who's going to actually be surprisingly frustrating for all those Taylor owners? I do think Marlon Mack is going to be a nuisance for Jonathan Taylor owners, at least to start the season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, the the beauty of Jonathan Taylor is that, you know, he was my my RB1 coming out of 
this draft class. And he's he's so got the talent. Put him behind that offensive line. He's absolutely going to be one of the most productive running backs in the NFL. But um, for me, the hesitation comes from just just the situation, right? So um, obviously, he's he's been looking good. He's built like a tank. He's got the speed. He's got all of those attributes that make him just a natural runner, especially behind an offensive line like that. Um, but I do think that Marlon Mack's a guy that's pretty well liked by the organization, even if they don't look at him as a, a, a full-time back, if they're not expecting him to be the future of the franchise, um, they still like him. And they, they very highly spoken of Naeem Hines and, um, you know, he's been a very productive receiver. I do kind of buy into the, uh, you know, Philip Rivers running back uh, notion that, that, Naeem Hines might actually be relevant. I think he's a huge steal in best ball formats right now. That's a great point. I think I think everybody in their place, right? So if you're talking either deeper PPR maybe or in best ball formats, maybe that is a great kind of late round pick there. It seems like it, it does seem like that role does follow wherever Philip Rivers is. I can understand that. And it's had different incarnations in the past. And Hines might be the most athletic of those guys in some ways. So it'd be fascinating to watch and see how that goes. I want to talk to you about a wide receiver or two here before we okay. head out. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on Allen Robinson because Robinson's a guy that really has never had good quarterback play, yet he's had good fantasy seasons. And last year he was incredibly consistent, obviously. And you kind of look up every week and you'd say, how is this guy doing it? How is he basically throwing up double digit points with this kind of quarterback play? And now he's in a place where ADP wise, he is basically going as a mid to low wide receiver one. Do you feel comfortable with that? And do you feel comfortable with the quarterback play out there in Chicago? Because people seem to have this narrative where they say, oh, it can't get any worse. I don't know about that. I've seen <laughs> situations go from bad to worse before. So can Allen Robinson overcome that regardless? Where do you have Allen Robinson this year? And can he continue to be as consistent as he was last year with quarterback play if it is subpar again in 2020? See, I have Allen Robinson as, as a high-end wide receiver, too. As do um, I. I think he's he's that perfect blend of of safety talent, um, and you know he's he's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. You can grab him maybe in round three. Sometimes you know he's he's falling a little bit further than some of those other um, you know players in the same range. But he's one of the 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 people that I I think it, it's sort of overstated the the whole quarterback situation. Um, like we're forgetting that all of his court or all of his production and fantasy has been on the back of bad quarterback play. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of that just comes from a volume standpoint. He saw an immense amount of targets last season. Um, and part of that I think is, is, you know, from the fact that if you don't have a, a good quarterback, they're going to have to play catch up. They're going to have to, uh, throw the ball. And as the game progresses, you're going to need to make those riskier throws that, um, you know, Allen Robinson has the the talent to to make those catches. Um, he looked super healthy last season. I have no reservations about quarterback play. I have maybe some more reservations. This might sound counterintuitive if the quarterback play gets better. Like, I, I think that Mitch Trubisky is a guy that, um, you know, we've we've spoken about uh, very uh, not. Not super friendly about Not very friendly. No, we haven't been friendly to him all. But you know what? He's earned it, Kate. In all fairness, Mitch has earned it. He's absolutely earned it. Um, You know, and and I think what a lot of of the issue is, you don't really see him, you know, progress through his reads. He doesn't look like he's uh, grown as much. uh, You know, he's got wheels, but 
I don't think we see the brain ticking quite as much as we would hope to see those jumps from year one, year two, year yeah. three. So, you know, if you have a, a better quarterback who's maybe more mentally prepared for the game, do you see them, you know, maybe not be as prone to chucking the ball up into the air to Allen Robinson and progress sure. through your reads? So I definitely think that he's a he's a beneficiary of bad quarterback play, not necessarily a victim. All right. I, I like that. I like that's uh it's a very good take there. Very good. Uh, all right. I got a question for you real quick. I only got like a minute left. DJ Shark, one of these guys is a good wide receiver talent on not such a great offense. Are those still guys worth taking for you at the right price where they are? Because I was very impressed with this kid last year. Great route runner. Everything kind of worked for him. But do you think that with Gardner Minshew, he can do enough here in 2020 to be a fantasy stud? Oh, absolutely. Um, we're looking at a guy who uh, I believe up until week 14 was ranked as a wide receiver two or wide receiver one, sorry, um, drafted in the second round. He's an absolute freak athletically. Um, he's got all of those attributes that make him a legitimate wide receiver one, plus he's going to have the target share. And let's not forget, it was on the back of Gardner Minshew, who was a, a late-round quarterback last season. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, he gets another season in the in the offense, in the system. All, all things go. I, I love it. I love it. All right. You can follow her on Twitter at FF Ball Blast and go check out her podcast as well. She's Kate Majuk. Kate, thank you so much again for joining us today on the program, giving us a little knowledge, making us all smarter and more prepared for our fantasy drafts. We're going to hit a break. We come back. Craig is back and more fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid. Don't go anywhere. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And it's time for a little fantasy or reality as we get ready to close out our show here on Tuesday. Before we do that, I know, Joe, this weekend, You'll be immersed in, I'm sure, fantasy football drafting. And, of course, uh, you have your Diamond Bet show coming up this weekend as well. And so what can we expect coming up this week? Well, it's uh, almost the halfway point in the season, if you can believe it. So maybe a little uh, look back on where we stand with our awards in terms of our wagering. We look back at some of our wagers that uh, Matt and I had made on some win totals. And so far, mostly good. A couple of stinkers, but... Uh, there's still some time to turn some of those around. Also, speaking of fantasy football drafts, too, some really cool stuff going on in the fantasy football community. The Pros with Joe's tournament is going on where people like me, Jeff Erickson, uh, James Coe from Yahoo, a lot of great people out there right now where you can basically, for charity, pay to draft with one of us. And we're going to run a team, and there will be winners, but most of the money goes to charity, basically. A couple goes to the winners, but it's basically a charitable event. So that is super cool also. So if you want to get involved with that, go follow the hashtag pros with Joes. I am both. So uh, if you want to get involved with the team with me and run one together, we could try to win some money for our favorite charity. So that's a good way of doing things, I think. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, by the way, uh, just a quick note here on the New York Mets, who are back on the field for the first time since last Thursday. They have placed Andres Jimenez and Tomas Nito, uh, two players of theirs that come off the bench on the injured list with undisclosed reasons. So obviously, reading between the lines there, you know that they're going to be out for a period of time. But there was some discussion as to uh, players testing positive with the Mets. And now we, I think, have a little bit more clarity on that. New York and Miami will play a doubleheader tonight in Queens. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at our first question for fantasy or reality here on this Tuesday. We'll start off with Albert Pujols. And fantasy or reality, the question today, Joe, 
Will he pass Hank Aaron's RBI record? Here is the number, 2,297. That's the all-time RBI record. Albert Pujols has 2,087. So clearly, I would guess this would mean that Albert Pujols is going to have to play a minimum of three years after this one. He could. Players play a long time. He could continue to go, Joe, until he accomplishes every record that he wants. So I think that this is a fair question. I'll toss it to you. Fantasy or reality, Albert Pujols will pass Hank Aaron's RBI record of 2,297. I'm going to say it's a fantasy he doesn't get there, but it's a reality that I'm rooting for him. I love me some Albert Pujols, one of my all-time favorite players, no doubt about that. First ballot should be unanimous Hall of Famer. If you're not voting for Albert Pujols, once again, what's your standard? Like, what what is it? What does a baseball player have to do in order to make sure that they are 100% voted into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. But I will say this. I think this shortened 2020 season hurt their prospects. I think the upcoming labor agreement could potentially hurt his prospects. And we combine those two things together with the amount of seasons. He's going to have to play, like you said, three more full seasons. And I put full in the air quotes like Chris Farley used to do before he flew away from the set. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult to do. However, if he does it, there's a part of me that would love, love, love to see him go back to St. Louis for one last little run there as a DH with the DH in the National League and get this record there. I think that would mean a lot to him and mean a lot to the city. So reality is I'm hopeful, but fantasy is that he's going to get there. I just think it's a lot of RBI still 200 plus still. And again, baseball's got to work for him here with this season. So Craig, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a reality. I think that he's going to play until he gets this. And I, and it is a monster number and a number that I think that he's going to want to achieve. Uh, I don't think he's going to have the home run record, but I do think he's got a shot at the RBI record. So I'm going to say reality. And I like where you're going there with this finishing off in St. Louis as a designated hitter. But again, the Cardinals are always a very competitive team. This isn't like Griffey or Ichiro going back to Seattle where they're losing 100 games, and that's what's been happening. St. Louis has got to play to win, and they really don't do ceremony-type stuff there for the most part. Remember, this is a team uh, that let Ozzie Smith go at one point as well. So um, I'm going to say uh, reality, but I don't think it'll happen with the Angels, and I don't think it happens in St. Louis. I think it happens mm. somewhere else to be determined. Wow. I think he breaks wow. the record. Yeah, which would be nuts, but here we are. Uh, okay, uh, Luka Doncic tonight is going to have a shot to break history if he can put together another 40-point game tonight. If there's a shot that that I think, I mean, without Kristaps Porzingis in the matchup, maybe we shouldn't even have this question because it's more of a reality than fantasy in any way. Uh, they play against the Clippers. If Dallas wins tonight, Joe, Luka is going to score 40 points. But that's not a guarantee. I mean, Luca could have 10 points tonight. He could have 15. He could have 20. He could also have 70. I don't know, but the world will be watching. This will be the highest rated game in the NBA so far. There's no doubt since the bubble started back up and he takes on the Clippers. If somehow Dallas wins this and wins this series, it would be a huge upset. But let's ask the question, fantasy or reality? Luka Doncic scores 40 points tonight against the Clippers as they uh, have this key showdown this evening. Well, I think with Porzingis out, I think he's going to have to try to. And I think that means it's a reality. I think he does get his 40 tonight. Whether or not they get a W, that is the real question. I don't think they can. I think there's one of those moments where you're going to see a great player have a great game. But 
Uh, maybe there's just not enough around him. And we've seen this happen before. You know, guys have huge scoring outputs, but they don't always get the W in the playoffs. And that can be something that, you know, is very haunting. And uh, for much as that one transcendent talent in basketball is very important, the collective surrounding pieces are as well. And I think that's sometimes uh, over these playoff series what kind of shows its ugly head, so to speak, or they're pretty one, depending on your perspective. But I think Luke actually does drop 40 here. Uh, but I think it might be in a losing effort, Craig. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a reality. I think he will have 40. I think he'll have more than 40. Uh, I'm not sure that they. I could say that they would lose because we're we're watching uh, a new superstar in the NBA here and, and maybe watching a top three player in the NBA as well. I think some people feel that way. And when a superstar comes and starts dominating games like LeBron James, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, I mean, you never know. And so I'm not going to rule out even a win tonight. Now, Dallas is getting seven points tonight against the Clippers, which tells you that it's likely that the Clippers do win. But uh, I'm going to say reality on the 40 points. I'm also not going to rule them out winning, but um, they're definitely up against it now in this series. But he's made the most of it, no question about that. Okay, so now let's move on to the final edition of Fantasy or Reality here on this Tuesday which always has to involve some sort of food. We try to incorporate as much food as we possibly can here. And a year ago, Joe and I were trying to track down the Popeye's uh, chicken sandwich. And eventually I did get my hands on one. It took a while, but I did get one. So apparently McDonald's is trying to take advantage of what Pop they saw what Popeye's already did. And for the first time since 1983, McDonald's is changing the recipe of their chicken McNuggets. And they are adding to the menu a spicy chicken McNuggets. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? Sounds just like the uh, Popeye's deal. But anyway, maybe there will be people around the corner waiting for this. Maybe everyone will want it. It'll be nuts. People will be fighting and killing each other over McNuggets. I don't know the answer to that, but we don't care about that. Here's what we care about, Joe. Fantasy reality, Joe Pizzapia is going to try McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, fantasy or reality. I know the answer you're hoping for, Mish. I could tell in the way you've set this whole thing up. You're you're really setting it up. You knew. You're like, ah, Joe's going to try this. No, I'm not interested in the spicy nuggets. I'm not. I actually wow. do prefer the McDonald's regular chicken nuggets to some other fast food places. I don't eat a whole lot of fast food. Uh, you know, maybe once every couple months or something like that. We'll indulge here at the Pizza Pia house. Outside of that, uh, you know, I'm a big cook person. I'm like making dinner pretty much every night. Uh, there'll be occasional Chinese food. The occasional ordering in the pizza and things like that. But the, the fast food, eh, it's rare. Uh, but the spicy chicken nuggets, I don't know. I'm not – look, everything's spicy now. Everything's got to be, you know, sriracha this, and it's got to be uh, flaming this and flaming hot Cheetos, and it's going to scar your insides. And I don't understand why we have to do this to ourselves. I feel like what they're just trying to do is hide whatever the actual flavor of said object is by making it so hot that you can't even imagine. I also don't understand these things that people do where they have the hot sauce challenges and the stuff like that, or that dopey game show where you're answering questions. And if you get it wrong, you have to eat wings that are hot. Like what, what kind of stupid television is that? Uh, and no, Craig and I are not going to turn the show into that kind of format, no matter what anyone on Twitter asks us to do, but I'm going to say no to the spicy nuggets. And uh, I do have a question, a follow-up nugget question for you, but I want to hear your take on the spicy nuggets. Craig, are you curious? Because you are somebody that does like a novelty. I've learned that about you over the years. You like the novelty food. You eat it in the car secretly without telling anybody in the house. So tell me the truth. Are you going to try the uh, spicy chicken nuggets in your car one day? 
First of all, based on your theory, uh, Todd Gurley's nickname should be Spicy this year in 2020 because that would just mask everything that he's supposed to be. Um, this wow. is a, a def- look at you. Throw this is a definitive. <laughs> this is a definitive fantasy uh, for me. Um, I I did try the the Popeyes chicken. I did. I was unwilling. Yeah, I was unwilling to wait in the lines, but when the line stopped, I did try it, and I actually thought it was pretty good. Now, it's tough now, given what's going on, and 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 going in. A, I haven't even been in a drive-through since this has all started since March. So, but assuming that everything is clear eventually, the answer, unfortunately, still is no. I'm just not a big McDonald's guy. And no matter what they call these McNuggets, I've never been able to figure out what is a McNugget and like where, what part of the chicken is the McNugget? Like that long time joke, I think is real. Like, what is it, Joe? Where, where do they get the McNugget from? Like what it's part corn, of the chicken is the McNugget? It's like, it's like every other nugget that you'll ever find. It's just pieces of chicken breast formed together, then battered and, and cooked or fried or depending on however you like. How do you know this? Have you, been, had, oh, have you seen them make these? I haven't been I don't to the McNugget it. factory, if that's what you're saying. Uh, I guess the well, question now I mean, is what we're that I was going to ask here. you. I was going to ask you, what is your nugget sauce uh, or nugget dipping sauce of choice? But clearly, yeah. you're already anti-nugget, so that, that, that question becomes moot now here on the program. Oh, I would, I would definitely get this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of different sauces, so I would go with if, – if, if, let's just say hypothetically I was to get it. It definitely would be honey mustard. Absolutely. Okay. I'm a sweet and sour kind of fella. Person. Okay. I, I like. I'm, so I'm, you know, uh, Chinese food is very good. I, I I do. I you know I always wondered this too. And and this is a good question too. In Florida, you know, you talked about like I can get decent bagels. Like you said, there's a couple of places. What about the decent Chinese food in Florida? Is that something you can get? Because obviously, where I am it's in the okay. New York area, a lot of good Chinese food. California, but Florida, good Chinese food. I, I think that you, if you really try, you can find a place that you'd like. I, I would not say it's great, but it's it's okay it's fair that's also another kind of food i have not had since march also unfortunately so oh, now since about march uh that's like a once a month occurrence here we got to do like the yeah. once a month it's sunday everyone's tired nobody wants to cook nobody wants to do anything you know what you know less so in the in the summertime you know because the you're know, firing up the grill sometimes on the weekends like i did this past weekend but yeah no chinese food since march Oh no. goodness! I don't know if I could do that, Craig. I do like the Chinese. Food. Yeah, I, I last last week when uh, so the the my favorite pizza place is in Miami, right? And it's a legendary place. It's been around for forty years, and I haven't had that since March. And then finally, before I went to the Marlins game, I picked up a pizza. Nice, and because there's no eating you wanted it to be. Here. Was, was it was it everything good. you wanted. The, the wait was an hour, an hour long. <sighs> Wow, but worth it, right? Well, I, well, was I as soon as the game ended, I ordered it, and so by the time I got there, I figured I would get right in and get it. I still waited a half hour, but had I not ordered it beforehand, I wouldn't, because you can't eat in there; it's all takeout. But there was a line around the corner. Yeah, it's crazy. These are all the behind the curtain things about the life of somebody who's covering a team. This is what you do: a half hour outside the game ending. You call up the favorite pizza place that way. They have it piping ready for you in the car to eat. See, That's these right. are all important things. Craig Mish is teaching everyone out there for you aspiring baseball know. writers no, out no. there. I mean, they don't let people in the game. They're not going to let food in the game this year. That's <laughs> all right. Sports Grid sixties coming up next, and we got to get out of here. So stay tuned. More fantasy sports today coming up right after.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. A quick reminder, SportsGrid.com is a great website, not just for all of our videos and audio and everything that we're doing here on the channel and over on SportsGrid Radio as well, but we have columns there from a lot of the people that you see and watch every single day right here on SportsGrid.com talking about some of the best bets in baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and every other sport as well. So make sure you head on over there and check it out. Maybe you'll get some good advice. Maybe you'll end up winning some money. Let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia for today's Sports Grid 60. Joe? Just one year ago, the NFL was rocked to its core with the surprise retirement of a quarterback in his prime, Andrew Luck. Yes, it's only a year ago. I know it seems like forever, but it is still an incredible thing to consider. It came out of nowhere, and a year later, I think we're all just as stunned to see a guy in his prime not out there playing the game that he loves, that he was so great at. This was a team that was right on the precipice of really making some noise in the AFC, only to fall off dramatically last year, and it is a shame. Hopefully, things go better for the Colts this year, and hopefully Andrew Luck is at peace with his decision. Yeah, I still say uh, Andrew Luck comes back at some point. I think he does return to the NFL, but uh, it looks like this year's out, at least uh, for now. Uh, Okay, I'll end with college football discussion today. And it's it's really a little bit melancholy for me because this time of the year, I'm getting ready for the first few games of college football on Saturday. And unfortunately, this year, there is none. The good news is, as we found out, college game day is back. The better news is, is that the SEC and the ACC announced their college football schedules. But why can't all of the college football conferences get on the same page? Are we really going to have a college football season without the Big Ten, without the Pac-12? I'm not sure what the right decision is, but everybody should be on the same page with getting the season in. I do think that the championship will be representative of the best teams because, in general, teams in the ACC and the SEC have won the championship almost every year in the past 10. But I would like to see all the conferences back. I'd like to see a full slate of games on Saturday as opposed to a half. At this stage, though, I guess you got to take what you can get. Thanks to everybody for watching the show. Thanks again to Chris, Brett, Danny, and and for my Joe Pizza Pia, I'm Greg Mitch. Talk to you tomorrow at noon. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.